Welcome to Kastoshi, and today we have Thanos Tavlis of Cyberscope. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, thank you for having me here, and nice to meet you all. Could you give us the quick one-minute pitch on what Cyberscope does and why anyone should care? Sure. So Cyberscope is a cybersecurity blockchain company. We specialize in smart contract audits, KYC, and AML analytics. Uh, cybersecurity is very important on uh, right now on the Web3 because we've all seen how many scams there are, how many hacks there we have in this era. So we focus on securing Web3 and projects with our smart contract service. Okay. Um, it, it's, I looked at your website. It says you've so you've done 750 audits, is that correct? Yeah, that's a rough estimate. We have done uh, a lot of uh, networks, different networks, uh, BNB Chain, Ethereum, uh, Avalanche, and, and Polygon, most of all. Okay. And, and what's your role in this? Are you, are you, um, t can you actually read smart contracts yourself? Yeah, so um, I'm a co-founder and the CEO. But uh, when we back in the day, when two years ago, when me and my partner started uh, Cyberscope, we we both are hands-on developers and have a really big te tech experience in our in our backs. So yeah, I used to do smart contract audits myself. Now the big the team, of course, has grew a lot. I ha hardly have time to code or review anything like that. So how many of you are there at the moment? So we are 17 right now. Uh, Cyberscope has offices in Greece and in Cyprus. Our headquarters are in Greece. Um, most of the, most of us are engineers and we also have a, a small marketing and sales team. Okay, okay. So... Um... I looked at your background. I see that you started off as a developer and you've slowly moved into um, into uh, more marketing and management as well. And uh, I saw you also did CoinScope. Now, now, when I first saw CoinScope, I, I thought, okay, what is this? Because I wasn't sure if it was one of those websites which tries to shill coins. So was CoinScope... Um, a success or was it a learning thing? So, so what was the purpose of that? So, uh, yeah, Coinscope was my, I used to be, when I started on my, on Web3 and crypto, I started as a trader and investor. But, you know, I, I used to have this bad experience with projects. Every time I bought something that I had this good vibe of buying a Lambo with it, <laughs> I would get scammed or lose my money. I was a really bad trader. So yeah. I, I started uh, this Coinscope as a coin listing application to help new people like me, like when I was back in the day, identify good projects and, you know, read a bit more about their security, about the team. So it's a, it's a coin listing application. It has a lot of uh, decentralized uh, in integration as well, decentralized airdrop, NFT marketplace. Um, so this was the first project, uh, the first platform and the first company that we made in Web3. And then we spinned off to Cyberscope, which was the cybersecurity part. I guess as you made uh, Coinscope you re and you wrote smart contracts, you realized that, I, I mean, I'm guessing that you realized that security for contracts for yourself as well was a massive problem. Exactly. I mean, so we had this company, we were listing projects, people were coming, we, have, we, have, we still have a lot of traction there. But, you know, security is the most important thing there is because, as they say, code is the law. Everything yeah. is on the on the blockchain and everything, if the contract is not secure, even the even if the team has the best intentions, they can get exploited. The, we see these hacks happening every day. 
So the only way to secure and protect yourself and your investments is to invest is to invest on audited projects. That's why we focused on security, not just on smart contract audits, but also on KYC. Because in KYC in a project, that's that's also very important. You know, people you don't mean KYC of the developers. So so you know exactly. that it's not they're not anonymous. Yeah. Exactly, because not everyone wants to go public, but at least they want to do this KYC, which is a private uh, process of how we have their identities and uh, investors trust our companies so they know that this project, we know who they are. They will not try to attempt anything shady or, you know, run away with the funds and turn down, turn off everything, the website, the telegram, everything. So at the moment, since um, a lot of the, um, well, uh, how, how do I put this? I, th- I think with the, the the crash of Celsius, FTX, and Terra Luna, I mean, I personally, I'm very happy about it because it's got rid of all of the, it's got rid of a, not all of, but a lot of the, the people who are just in the space for the money, and are not interested in anything else. Would you say that the amount of projects that have been developed has gone down a lot? in recent months or has it gone up so we work with a lot of incubators and accelerators uh, i can tell you there is a lot of things happening in the background right now people are building so i think that more projects are being built right now and i agree with you um the point of crypto is not to you know um getting quick get money it's about the technology so these unfortunate events and people lost a lot of money but in the end, it's helping with adoption. A lot of people are, it might be uh, hard and people might be afraid to invest, but a lot more projects are being developed as we speak. So we we will ex- we are expecting to see a lot of more projects launched in two th- 2023. Okay, okay, that's good. Okay, and another question I've got is, and, and this is related to uh, EVM versus non. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm asking a lot of questions, but for me, this podcast is so I can learn stuff <laughs> as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, so um, when you see um, EVM projects and non EVM projects, I, I've I've spoken to a lot of uh, projects um, which have which say they have massive scalability but they're not evm compatible when i see something not evm compatible i think of many problems one of them i think is that they might have a smaller pool of developers but of course you see something like solana has proved that that wasn't that much of an issue back in the day i know they're having some issues now but that but solana might still come back again of course and 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 become huge and they had very dedicated developers. I remember that. Um, but, and they, and just so the audience who are listening to this knows, Solana is not EVM compatible. There's many other blockchains which are not EVM compatible. And one of the other issues I have is when it comes to auditing smart contracts, it's hard enough to audit a contract on on uh, if it's evm compatible which means it's compatible with ethereum for people who don't know do you audit contracts which are ethereum only or do you also look at non-ethereum smart contracts there's a question in there at the very end but i think you you see what what i'm asking yeah absolutely and i think you you made a great case because um it's all about the community and the developers and solana did actually had a, a really big amount of developers working on that and now they most of them has have shifted to aptos uh yeah we also did um we also audit non-ethereum based contracts we have developers in rust and we also work with 
uh, other contractors. Uh, most of our clients come for EVM-based uh, forks because you know it's it's easier to get there. It's easier to fork something, and the community is bigger. You you can find people f- faster. But they have their pros and cons. We support both of them and we work with both of them. Okay. Uh, you said something very interesting at the beginning. Did you say that people, some a lot of people have moved from Solana to Aptos? Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, I'm following uh, the social as well. And that's where I'm seeing most of the friends I have or contacts that I have moving from uh, Solana. Solana had, before the crash, they had, before the FTX uh, issues, Solana was around 6,000 developers, the community. Nine, 80 to 90% of them have moved, and most of them uh, have moved to Aptos. Could, could you explain, j- just for the sake of the, for the audience, but also a bit for me, because I, I know something about Aptos, and I know it was formerly the Facebook uh, Libra, wasn't it? Could you explain a bit about what is Aptos and what makes it special? And is it an EVM chain as well? Aptos is is uh, what we call the new FOMO, the new f- flavor of the month. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a strong foundation and they have a good te- technical team behind them. Um, I, I think what cost, I don't know uh, what cost everyone to jump from Solana and choose Aptos because it's up to the personal preference of its developer, but I think their community is very strong and helpful, and uh, I think there is a lot of things uh, we can expect from them in the next year. But but as a blockchain, uh, like one of the things I've done personally is looked at many different EVM compatible blockchains, and every time a new blockchain comes out and says we're super fast, I end up having massive problems. When I'm, I mean, what I do is I get MetaMask out, I write a program, and I start confirming transactions, and I'm like, hang on. This is not super fast. This is taking ages. So, um, is Aptos any like? Has it got? Is it far? Is it really faster? Because the last one that I saw that said they were faster and they weren't was Avalanche, and then it was Phantom before that. And they, they were they're fast when there's no load on the system. But as soon as you have a lot of transaction throughput, suddenly you know they slow down. So. It, is Aptos different? So, uh, you, you know, out in the market, they used to call Aptos the Solana killer because as much Solana, uh, Aptos aims to outperform uh, any, you know, outperform all the other blockchains in terms of transaction speed. It's still early to see and uh, hypothesize, assume what is going to happen. But yeah, it's one of their main goals and what gives them this unfair competitive advantage against the other blockchains. Okay, maybe I have to try um, uh, some Aptos stuff. I can use it with MetaMask, I assume, so I can just write uh, some solidity and just deploy it to um, Aptos quite easily. Okay, if we now get back to... um, I had a bit of a... uh, uh, some side questions (laughs) at the beginning, but if we get back to what Cyberscope does i get a project they come to me and they say oh and often they say oh we've got a smart we've got a a, a, a system we, we they say it's not released yet it'll be ready next month and then i say oh but have you done this and 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 i say oh no 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 that that's that that's all sorted out that that will be sorted out later what is the typical thing when a project comes to you and uh and it's going to be a follow-on question about do you ever turn clients down and say you won't work with them yeah uh as a reputable audit firm we have to protect our brand so we don't work with just anyone usually we have to kyc the developers 
of the project before we can completely about it. And as you say, many projects will come and they will say, oh yeah, we don't have a website yet. We don't have a white paper yet. We will do everything later. We will sort everything later. But, you know, all this creates this shady vibes in the background and we have to provide investor safety is our number one priority. Mm. So, and a fun fact is that when we finish the audit of a project, this happens a lot, by the way, uh, because we are forced to objectively write the findings that we find, some of them might not like how it investors will feel by reading the audit, like, oh, no, please remove these findings, it, investors will be scared. This happens a lot, and I think it happens to, to competition as well. So it's, it's hard to have these discussions, but... Every time we have to argue with clients and tell tell them that no, this has to be like that. We have a uh, uh, we have an obligation towards community and investors. We will write these findings as we found them, and because this is the professional thing to do. So, who pays you to do the audits? Is it generally the investors um, who are considering? So, so, so is it a normal thing that if investors are considering? going uh, investing in a project they might hire you to do an audit first is it like kind of like when someone buys a house they get a survey done of the house is it kind of like that sometimes uh, i would say 90 to 95 percent of the times uh, the project owners that the core team comes to us because they're concerned about the security of the project so th- those are the clients that buy the audit because in the end if they miss something and when we're talking about writing code it's very normal to you know miss a, a line do a typo something not mm. not being properly adjusted in the contract these things happen and that's why you need an audit so those are the teams that the people that pay for the audit but some uh, sometimes as you said there an investor might come and he might say, okay, I really like this project. I want to invest uh, a, a number of money on that, uh, but I'm, I'm worried and concerned about the security. Can you guys audit it? So an, a community member can pay us to do the audit for the, for the project. And then they read it and they say, okay, there are, those are the findings. Those are the risks. Now I can take the informed decision and either invest or not invest. But are audits normally public? Uh, that depends. Uh, some of the audits are preferred to be kept privately. That's to avoid uh, uh, contracts being um, public or, you know, competition for, for whatever NDA, whatever reasons for the project. Uh, most of them are public because they also like this brand that, okay, guys, hello, this is our audit. We're safe now. You can read our audits and most of them don't just get one audit, they get multiple audits just to eliminate the chances of, you know, missing something. Okay. Now, okay. Now, now I've got a question which um, I, I've actually, um, it's actually duped me in the past. I, and I know that there's a lot of projects which have been audited and people are still losing their money. And that, and the question is, what happens when a company, they get all of their audits, okay, and then they have their website up. And as we know, the website can be changed anytime. And everything, you know, they tick all the boxes. And then, um, you know, people put their money in. And then and then what they do is they do some sort of shenanigans. Uh, I don't know if you know that word, but it means some sort of, yeah, okay. So they do some shenanigans, some mischief where change the smart contract address that the website points to. And of course, when you're using MetaMask, normal people, even like even myself, I mean, I generally don't look at the smart contract address and go and read through the source code of the, you know, or, or the uh, Solidity API or whatever. I just don't do that. I think that's a common 
way that people try and scam and and secondly how can you kind of reassure investors that um even well because i know that well-intentioned people who have a project I, I know that if you're a founder and suddenly you know that you can rug pull and you can get access to five million dollars and disappear it's very tempting you know for a lot of people you know they might have debts or whatever could you talk maybe a little bit about that absolutely and uh, i couldn't agree more you you get tempted and depending on the country you live on that it, it might be easy or hard to get away with it because in some countries uh, nothing happens even if crimes are committed with uh, regarding cryptocurrency. So yeah, it's a very delicate matter, and it's one of the things that um, uh, go through uh, is very popular in terms of phishing and scamming. A lot of money have been exploited exactly by uh, what you just described, changing the website and having a different contract in the MetaMask, so they you know they would steal either NFTs or it could be personal assets, funds, anything like that. Uh, now, what you can do is, and th- again, this is very, it's still on early steps of development. I actually had a discussion about that with one of the decision makers of Consensus, the, the founders of MetaMask. And so they are dealing with that and they are, uh, they're having in their MetaMask, there is a, a list of blacklisted domains. So if you have interacted with a blacklisted domain, they will try to throw a, a, an error or you know a warning in the in the MetaMask. Now, if the site is new and was not reported, so it's not blacklisted yet, you you actually have to do some research on your own and check on the contract by yourself. There isn't much things to be done yet because this is uh, as dangerous as going into a shopping mall and you know instead of the guy if you purchasing something they give you a fake they give you a fake ring. How would you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So these things happen. But the only way to protect yourself is to educate yourself and be careful and, you know, check for KYC, check for audit, do all your due diligence, do your research and this will work out in the end. OK, so so you're saying that um, I, well, are you saying that Met, that MetaMask is blacklisting and maybe whitelisting different smart contract addresses? Is that what you meant when you said domains? No, so they're not blacklisting themselves. It's uh, so you get to report if a domain is, is suspicious, and they will check, and they will maybe oh, they add it to the blacklist, right? So this not this doesn't happen in real time, but yeah. there is a database for that. So if you go to a phishing website and it's mm. already reported by users, chances are MetaMask will throw you a warning saying, uh-huh. "Be careful, this is already uh, reported. It might be a phishing attempt." So this oh, is very I see, I side. see. Yes. So if someone if someone um, sets up a website and it's scamming a lot of people, and new people go to that website, at least they might be warned in MetaMask. Yeah, I guess this is one of the big issues with crypto. Why it's it's why the user interface part is is, is so important because there's such a big issue with trust that even it doesn't matter how technical you are. I mean, even if you can read Solidity in smart contracts, like normal people don't have time, even if they knew that stuff, to go and read all these smart contracts. You know, I mean, even, I mean, when someone says to me, oh, but, you know, people should learn it, I say, well, this is how bad, this is how difficult it is because um, even the people who develop the smart contracts can't find the bugs. I say, so if, if the experts can't do it, how can a normal person do it? And I, I guess... Um, this this is um, something I'd like to ask you is where do you like how do you see that crypto is actually going to go mainstream because 
and and what which parts of crypto like is it going to be stable coins nfts will go mainstream because this issue with like you probably heard last week this uh, bitcoin core developer had 200 bitcoins stolen and and i can attest I, I was an expert and i had a lot stolen as well in the old days you know so it is hard it just takes one mistake out of 50 steps you know just one, one thing and you lose it all so what is it, what, what, where do you think the future is going to be for, for normal people who, who absolutely hate technology? Ah, that's a good question and it's hard to be to predict. But I, if I had to bet, I would bet on DeFi instead of CeFi because I understand it's more risky to go on decentralization. And, you know, as you said, you go in a website, you have to connect with your MetaMask and you don't know the, the website owners. And it's more risky of you going in a platform. But uh, we've seen that DeFi can work. It's still a bit, uh, it needs more time to be mature, more people to be involved, and more applications to be developed, and a lot more developers to grow, to go to that community as well. Because um, NFTs have, have a use case, and we've seen a lot, there are a lot of NFT hacks happening as well. And for the same reasons, the way to protect yourself against that, it's, um, you can have cold storage and not connect all of your NFT wallets. I mean, why would you have all your NFTs in MetaMask? Okay, it's easy. It's simple. You don't you don't want to waste time. But in the end of the day, you want to try and do everything that you can to secure your assets. You wouldn't go in a road trip with all your money in the back of your truck, would you? Um, so <laughs> it, it goes like that. There are steps that you can do. It might be a bit more time consuming, but you can secure your assets uh, in a way. And yeah, I can see stable coins uh, working. I can see NFTs work, uh, having a use case. I'm, I'm not gonna speculate about the trading, but more of uh, you know real tokenization of physical assets, tokenization of uh, digital assets as well. Okay, okay, that's very interesting. Would you say it's still like five or ten years away that this stuff starts to become mainstream? I mean, is it like VR, where we where VR has been? pushed forward since like that i can remember vr headsets in the 80s believe it or not um and every time they say it's another five years is crypto going to be the same or is it actually or or is it going to just merge into the background like like the internet and be invisible what, what do you think so i think we need to emphasize on the solution and not just the fancy ui things so crypto solves a really big problem it solves payments right so if if you want it now now to send uh, money to your friend in singapore and uh, you let's say you are based in the us in the us states this would take three to five days and the banks would have to intervene and they would keep fees and the banks are not working in, in the weekends so all of this takes some time and some money but if you do it from crypto you can just send the same amount in crypto to your friend in Singapore in just a few seconds. This solves a real problem. So I really believe this is happening in the next five years. I really think it's going to be implemented as a payment and in, in every way it's already being adopted. And we see even major companies, uh, retainers, uh, already implementing NFTs. We've seen Adidas, we've seen Nike, we've seen Instagram. They all they are all working on the metaverse. So this is happening. This is already being developed in, in the in the behind the scenes and i think the next years we're going to be interacting with web3 a lot more than we're aware of we might not understand that we're right now we're interacting with a web3 uh, application but this will be happening okay okay um that, that's interesting i mean but you're saying the cost is reduced but 
for example, here in the EU, well, I, I'm not in the EU, but you're in. The, I'm in Gibraltar, but you're in the EU. You're in Greece, aren't you? Yeah, correct. Yeah. I'm in Greece right yeah. now. So, so I know that they have this Mika crypto law coming on. Isn't isn't a lot of the like, like? I could understand if crypto was there's going to be a lot of cost savings because you know you're you're leaving out the CFI, the traditional banks. But isn't the EU going to try and do it so that when, for example, someone sends a crypto payment? That it's going to get intercepted by this EU protocol, and um, there's a question in there somewhere. Like, do you have you ever been approached by any government entities saying, you know, we need you to start looking at stuff like this? Yeah. Or, you, you, or can you say it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. I mean, we've been contacted by innovation uh, uh, department from a couple of countries. They are discussing and they're exploring about Web three and. Security is what, uh, you know, they, they all have to check with security and regulations. And um, this is what we do. And one other case that we had to work with the FBI about a client that we had uh, audited. So to, to trace the funds of the developer that decided to run away. So yeah. everybody has uh, people or have a department growing there. And yeah, they, they they are losing a lot of money, you know, banks, they will lose a lot of money when crypto comes in. So, yeah, they're trying to adopt faster and silently. You know, they're trying to get a piece of the pie. But, you know, if they don't do it in a delicate way, this will affect them. Oh, so are you are you saying that banks and and, um, and governments are starting to get tech savvy? Because that's been one of the big complaints that they don't get crypto. Are you saying that they do get crypto and they're starting to understand the technology as well? Exactly. Uh, so there are some countries that have already adopted crypto. Uh, they have invested in Bitcoin. They have others are building their own cryptocurrency because this solves inflation. This solves a lot of things. And you know, in some countries like Nigeria, they're not where crypto is not allowed. They have to go through OTC deals through. Uh, decentralized apps in order to um, trade their native currency into crypto. Mm -hmm. This is very hard for them, but it's a real problem and someone is giving them the solution. It's always better to solve the problems on, on the, your local government and give your your community the solution with your own, of course, uh, customized to your own uh, needs. I know in Cardano and uh, I think it's Stacks, which is a Bitcoin-based protocol, I know that some of some of these non EVM languages, uh, they say that they have they have special um, like features in place so that it's harder to write buggy smart contracts. Is that just marketing, or is there some truth to that? Um, so we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of different networks, and we've seen a lot of programming language spinning off from of, um, Solidity and presenting new solutions that it's going to be, you know, less code, less bugs. Uh, I think everything can work. It's the same. It's a, this is a general computer science question. Like, I mean, you, you can write your you can write uh, backend in various programming languages. Doesn't mean that you have to go with Colang or C sharp or any other thing. Mm. So this doesn't necessarily mean that one thing is better than the other. It means that it has its advantages and disadvantages. And of course, it's always it always depends on what you're trying to do. So if you're trying to be to outperform in terms of speed, then you need something like Rust. You you know you need to develop something that uh, moves like that. Yeah, you're right. It's a good analogy to backend, but but of course, like in some backend languages, it's like if you have PHP, for example. 
you can get you can make stuff faster but you don't have the type safety of java or something or haskell as a company um for cyberscope i guess so you've been doing a lot of these smart contract audits how do you see your business is changing in the next few years so i think the the need for security is there uh, of course since the market is uh, you know, the market is not in the best conditions. We see that clients are more afraid to, you know, uh, do the extra audit or, you know, um, make the extra step towards security. But the industry is growing and we get a lot more new clients, a lot more incubated or accelerated projects from our partners. So we really believe in the in the concept of smart contract audit because um, Web3 is coming and Web3 needs smart contracts and the smart contracts need to be audited. We've seen so many hacks and exploits and most of them are because the smart contracts wasn't audited. And we, in terms of our company, we also focus on making our own product. So again, uh, security and AML. AML is very important. You have to... Uh, when we're talking about money, you need to know the origin of the money. You, you don't want to accept money from uh, suspicious sources and, you know, scammers will use tornado casts or other mixer applications to hide the origin of the money. Oh, so you advise companies on 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 AML on how to do the uh, KYC and stuff. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. so you're saying, I understand that you're saying that that going forward you think the market is so big that you can basically continue doing the same thing yeah we have, so we will continue doing the smart contract audits we will continue doing kyc and aml analytics and we also develop our own products about uh, security and smart contract scanners yeah, yeah, okay and this the aml um, checker as well because as you can imagine when banks will start uh, integrating or big organization will start integrating with uh, crypto and they start to receive payments payments you need to know the origin of the of the, of the money uh, i just... see yeah yeah mm-hmm. also in that way you're kind of like one of these companies that helps with fear on ramps yeah i mean our first goal is always to educate and uh, help people adopt come on board and you are also solving a real problem so we try to combine those two sure that makes a lot of sense okay um i think that's all the questions for me is there any special st- stuff you would like to um talk about your company or any any new stuff coming out yes sir. Uh, i would like to mention one really cool feature that we have integrated in coinscope recently so uh you know the best way to get into crypto is to get to an airdrop because airdrops are free you don't have to spend any money you can just earn tokens so you can check out decentralized airdrops you can check the project that you like just vote for your favorite project and you get uh, whitelisted for the airdrop and you can win free tokens. This is uh, how I usually try to uh, educate people about learning how to check a project, how to see what the contract can do, checking the audit report and the KYC. Always do your own research and try to not risk your investments and never invest more than you can afford to. Okay, so use Coinscope as a kind of learning tool um, so that you can explain to people how the whole thing works. Was Coinscope did did companies actually launch there? Did tokens la- use it as like a launch pad, kind of like an IDO finance like um, so, used to do? So not exactly. We don't do the the launch the launch for the products, but we do we help with everything else with uh, you know the audits and the US from Cyberscope, and we also have some marketing. We do the airdrops. You can also mint your own token. We get a lot of new uh, in, uh, new people coming, and they say, okay, I want to create my new project. What do I do? So we have these guidelines that you can follow, how to build the token from the UI, no code needed. 
And then we have, in terms of launching and a launch pad, mm. we, we work with a lot of partners in every chain. So mm. we help on that as well. Okay, that makes sense. So I think I think that, that's all for today. But could you just, um, just for the audio listeners, could we, um, um, could, could you say the, uh, spell out your, your website address and um, where people can find you? Yeah, sure. So it's uh, cyberscope.io and coinscope dot co co those okay. are the two companies that i'm working on and we're always happy to educate people you can follow us on socials come on our telegram group and ask any questions we'll ha- be happy to help you out okay we'll share the links in the show notes as well okay thanks uh-huh. so much for your time today it's been great talking to you thank you for having me it was great talking to you and uh, i wish you best of luck thank you